Today on Blue 58, the Packers went ultra young at wide receiver, and it paid off with a pretty spectacular season. How does this group build for next year? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I'm happy to be with you here for another episode. A couple of newsy bits before we get into the wide receiver discussion today. The Packers have a new strength and conditioning coach, Aaron Hill, previously of the San Francisco 49ers, also of Vanderbilt, and the Carolina Panthers, and the University of Minnesota. But primarily the past four years with the San Francisco 49ers. That's really all I've got for you as far as the news goes there. Look, uh, a change seems like a good thing at this point. At least try something different. And I guess kudos to the Packers for being willing to do some different things this offseason. Making a change at their strength and conditioning coach. Firing Joe Barry, even though he had time left on his contract. It seems more aggressive than what we've come to expect from the Packers, so I think that really is the big takeaway here. The question I have is how do you evaluate a strength and conditioning coach? Because people, I think, are going to want to point to the soft tissue injuries that have played the Packers over the past few years. I don't know if they're necessarily more prevalent in Green Bay than anywhere else. I suspect they probably aren't. It could just be that these are the, the injuries that the Packers are dealing with. Nevertheless, there are there has to be something that we could do, right? We could track overall injuries. I don't really know for sure, though. We'll need to see some long-term trends here. So I guess stick a pin in this discussion. We'll come back to it in, let's say, 2029, five years from now. Sound good? I think so. The other thing going on uh, this week is the rumor that the Packers are about to release David Bakhtiari. This was picked up by uh, the great aggregator, and I, I say that very sarcastically, Dov Kleiman or Kleeman. I don't care how you pronounce his name. Um, but then it, it basically set the internet on fire. Uh, as he reported, per the Athletic, the Packers are about to release David Bakhtiari. That is not exactly true. The paragraph in question that sparked that remark or rumor comes from Matt Schneidman, who wrote this, quote, Bakhtiari hopes whatever surgery he had after playing only the season opener in 2023 will finally put him in the clear, but the Packers are getting younger and can't reasonably afford banking on Bakhtiari's knee at his current price. The Packers will assuredly trade or release Bakhtiari. Maybe the New York Jets fork over a late-round pick to reunite Bakhtiari with his old golf cart buddy Aaron Rodgers, and that's not a joke, despite the possibility that he's still elite when healthy, as he showed for a brief Sunday against the Chicago Bears in September, end quote. Now, the word choice here is tricky, and to defend the aggregators, not that we ever really need to leap to their defense, assuredly is a lot here. It's probable that they're going to do that, but assuredly may be a bit too far, and that does make it seem like it it could be imminent, even though he said nothing of the sort there. But also, to everybody breathlessly reporting with surprise that this could happen, yeah, Of course the Packers are going to do something with David Bakhtiari. They can't go on with his contract as it is. Something is going to happen. That's not a surprise to anybody, right? We've all been paying attention for the past few years, and I guess this gets to maybe a larger complaint that I have with the state of NFL media. NFL generalists really probably shouldn't exist unless you are going to pay attention to to a degree that something like this does not surprise you. There's just simply too much going on out there to have context on all the little moves and minutiae that are going on with each and every team. Anyway, that's just more of an annoyance than anything with the 
with me. But um, yeah, something's going to happen with David Bakhtiari. That should not be news to us by this point. On to wide receivers. And when I sat out in, or sat down and planned out the, the way I wanted to handle this offseason, this was one of the dates that was circled on my calendar because this was an exciting, exciting season for the Packers wide receiver room for a bunch of different reasons. And I think it only gets better going forward because overall, though there were some bumps in the road, this was a great season for the Packers wide receiver room. I don't know to the extent that you play Madden, but how I played Madden growing up was I did as many different permutations of franchise mode as I possibly could. I like to see how you could get yourself out of different situations and how you could respond to building your team different ways. And one of the things that I like to do every so often was just do a fantasy draft. So you reset the entire league and just take all of the youngest players and see how long it took before you just became a juggernaut. And of course, it's easy to build your way out of a a Madden, you know, any Madden scenario because you get two or three fast receivers and you're basically set. It hardly matters who your quarterback is. And you can work around the limits in your roster because you don't have to deal with things like experience or um, guys learning to be pros or getting in trouble because they don't know how to handle money that they have for the first time. But it was always fun to reset to just the really, really young guys, turn over an entire position group at once, and just see how things went, see who ended up being stars, see who you needed to replace in a year or two or something like that. And doing it all the while, thinking, wow, this something like this could never really happen in real life until here we are, having seen the Packers do essentially exactly that over the past two years. Since Devontae Adams wrapped up his time in Green Bay, we've seen the Packers rework their entire wide receiver room. They brought in uh, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Samori Ture in 2022, then Jaden Reed and um, Dontavian Wicks, and, uh, well, Bo Melton in there too in 2022 as well. Malik Heath comes on board. Everybody is new. In addition to that, I think they've also reshaped some of their wide receiver philosophy too, They've brought on some smaller guys, Jaden Reed, Bo Melton, even Romeo Dobbs, fairly slight, does not look as big as his listed weight of 204 pounds. Is that a trend? I don't know for sure, but it doesn't seem like it's exclusively goon receivers anymore, much to Matt LaFleur's chagrin, perhaps, although with as well as they've played. Um, you, you would you'd be forgiven for just like throwing out your entire roster-building philosophy and just saying, hey, whatever we did last time, work now, so I'm going to get away from what I prefer at a given position just because we're getting a whole bunch of good guys. Anyway, overall, with very few exceptions, and I think there are exceptions even within the exceptions, top to bottom, this had to be the most like met expectations position group of the, of the entire roster, partly because expectations for almost everyone here were were fairly low. And even the guys that we had high expectations for, that involved filling a specific role. And I think just about everybody here filled a role and filled it well to an extent. We always start off talking about cameo players when we look at individual um, position groups. And like the last one we talked about, there were no cameos among this wide receiver room. 
there were no guys on this roster who played fewer than 100 snaps who did actually appear in a game. And I add that asterisk on there because we did have Grant DuBose, who was on the 53 for one game but did not get into the game. Spent the, the rest of the season on the practice squad after being a draft pick in 2023. And he is going to be in the picture, I think, in 2024. And we'll talk about this a little bit later on. But Bo Melton, Samori Ture, Malik Heath, let's just say head on a swivel at this point because Grant DeBose is going to be added into the mix at that point and things are going to get pretty, pretty crowded here toward the bottom end of the Packers wide receiver depth chart. But... Talking about the guys who actually played, we've got to start with Bo Melton. Or we could start with Samori Ture because they both played the exact same number of snaps on offense in the regular season. Let's start with Melton, though, just because. Because Bo is a fun name. There's a reason for you. 139 snaps on offense, 12 on special teams. Finishes the regular season with six catches for 218 yards and a touchdown. 13 first downs or touchdowns on 16 catches. Pretty good. Also had three carries for 21 yards. Also pretty good. Uh, in terms of the advanced numbers, three ca- three for six on contested catch opportunities for Melton this year. Also had six explosive plays for a little bit of context. That is the same number as Tucker Craft had, but one fewer than Luke Musgrave. Prediction-wise, I said he would make the practice squad. He did that and then some. Because overall, really the feel-good story of the year, outside of maybe Malik Heath, Uh, there's nobody who came more out of nowhere than Bo Melton did in 2023. And really, that story is quite remarkable. We talked about this at a couple points during the season, but he was a waiver claim during the 2022 season. Again, way smaller than what the Packers typically go for at wide receiver. Then ends up competing for a low roster spot with Samori Ture, Grant DeBose, Malik Heath. That ends up being the competition because a bunch of the roster spots ahead of them we're all but promised to draft picks. And yet there is tiny little Bo Melton at the end of the season catching a touchdown in the playoffs. That is a pretty spectacular and successful 2023. So did he meet expectations? Yes, absolutely. Easy yes for Bo Melton here. Unfortunately for Melton, for him and guys like him, the fight really never ends. Because the same fight that he went through in 2023 training camp is going to happen again. Because Samori Ture is still here, Malik Heath is still here, Grant DeBose is still here, and there are going to be undrafted free agents in camp again, and they're going to be big body guys with good testing numbers, and he's going to have to start this whole thing all over again. But it's hard to bet against Bo Melton. He's done it once. He did it again. Maybe he can do it. One more time. I wouldn't bet against him. Samori so Ture is up next. 139 snaps on offense, 12 on special teams in the box score, eight catches for 78 yards, one of five uncontested catch opportunities, three explosive plays this year. Relevant to our predictions, he underachieved this year. I predicted he'd have double digit catches. He did not. I thought he'd start at least one game, probably due to an injury to somebody like Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs. He did not. He started zero games. I thought he'd have four or more explosive plays. Set the bar pretty low this year. Just three. He did not meet that number. And I think it is pretty obvious at this point that the sun is setting on his time in Green Bay. He did stay on the roster the whole year, 
but he had double-digit snaps in just one game after week four, which really coincides with the the rise of guys like Jontavian Wicks and Jaden Reed. And then Bo Melton coming along really sealed the deal for Ture. He was getting healthy scratches at the end of the year after guys like Malik Heath and Melton. It it just does not look good for him. I think he'll have opportunities in training camp next year, but he's going to have to make a huge jump to really be competitive at the low end of the wide receiver depth chart. So did he meet expectations for 2023? Not really, but it doesn't really matter for him because the Packers were probably not counting on him all that much anyway. Again, looking to head to 2024, a dim roster outlook, I think, for Ture, but stranger things have happened. Jumping all the way up to 260 snaps, we have Malik Heath, who did 260 on offense, also 71 on special teams across a variety of units there. It doesn't really matter which ones, but he was he was active um, in a few different spots on special teams. Finishes the year with 15 catches for 125 yards and one touchdown, four of nine on contested catch opportunities. Contested catch stats, by the way, come from Pro Football Focus, had one explosive play this season. He proved me wrong this year because I predicted he would not make the 53 or the practice squad, and he ended up skipping right over the practice squad and jumping right to the 53, becoming another one of the feel-good stories of the 2023 Green Bay Packers. He was the less heralded prospect out of Ole Miss in last spring's draft, along with teammate Jonathan Mingo, who I still think would have been a great fit in Green Bay. Not that I would trade him for any of the guys the Packers did end up with in the in this spring's draft, but of note, 43 catches, 418 yards for Mingo. Not great per catch numbers there. In fact, uh, although Heaths were not great either, they were, they were fairly complicated or compl- comparable on a per catch basis. Um, I would say Heath met expectations and then some just making it out of camp with the, the fairly loaded roster ahead of him in terms of draft picks, just guys who had been here before. That's quite an accomplishment to make it. And he looked like he belonged from the get-go just with his size and body control. A good addition, I think, to the 2023 Packers. But for 2024, as with a couple of the other guys we've talked about so far, he ends up with, you know, right back in the bucket of guys behind those draft picks. So if you look ahead at 2024's uh, wide receiver depth chart, you've got in some order, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, and Dontavian Wicks. And then a bunch of guys fighting for roster spots, five through maybe seven beyond that. It could be six. Uh, Bo Melton, Malik Heath, Samori Ture, Grant DuBose, 2024 undrafted free agents. That is a lot of competition for very few roster spots. Crossing over into guys that probably aren't going to have to fight for spots, but may have bigger questions to answer, We come to Christian Watson. Watson played uh, just 446 snaps on offense in 2023, uh, down from where he was last year significantly. Did not play a single snap on special teams, but that's basically what you would expect for Christian Watson in 2023, given given how his season played out. Finished with 28 catches for 422 yards and five touchdowns, also four carries for 11 yards, was 6 of 18 on contested catches, 9 explosive plays down from 12 last year. Prediction-wise, I predicted Watson would have between 750 and 950 yards last summer. He did not end up getting close to that, just 422. I thought he'd have between 60 and 70 catches, just 28. 
did get correct that he would have between five and nine touchdowns. He scored five. And really looking back on all these predictions, they all come down to the fact that Watson was not healthy. And I think this basically is the story of his career to this point, even extending back to college because he dealt with recurring injuries while he was in college as well. And it's kind of maybe not just a hope that he would put those behind him in the NFL, but certainly not a solid plan that they would put those injuries behind him in the NFL. You didn't have reason to expect that things would just get magically better because he had been hurt a lot dating back to his college years. So story-wise, even before I get into the, the individual stat stuff, I think a lot of Watson's issues and kind of on a related note, Romeo Dobbs issues, and we'll talk about Dobbs in, in a, a, a couple, well, he'll be the last of our people we talk about today because he played the most snaps at wide receiver. Is that a spoiler? Who cares? Um, as with Dobbs, Watson has expectations that set a narrative for him that's kind of out of his control. Because there are, I think, season-level expectations that were built for Watson for things not necessarily within his control, and some career expectations. So let's talk about those before we talk about the good and the bad stuff from this year. So Watson, part of the reason facing he was facing big expectations this year was the fact that he was one of just two quote-unquote veteran receivers who were expected to really contribute on this year's team. You can throw some Maurice Ray in there if you want. I don't think we were really expecting him to be a huge contributor this year, but if you want to, you can. You can you can group him into that as well. Uh, so he, he gets some expectations just for that reality. He's one of the only experienced players at the position on the roster, but that's not a, that's not a Christian Watson thing. That's a roster-building thing. He's also got some big expectations coming into this year because of the, the stats he put up last year. And I suppose that's a Christian Watson thing too, but that's also a roster-building question because – a big reason Watson had so many opportunities last year was because there just weren't a lot of other wide receivers going around in 2022 as well. I think that's something that, that gets forgotten sometimes too. And he was good when he was healthy in 2022. So some naturally big expectations there as well. But then you've got the career level expectations. And this is something that has kind of loomed over both his 2022 and 2023 seasons. And this, again, is not necessarily fair because it's not something that Watson has brought on himself, but whether it's fair or not to him, he was the Packers' big swing at wide receiver after they traded Devontae Adams. The Packers move on from Devontae Adams in the, I guess, late winter, early spring of 2022. They use a a big chunk of their draft capital from that trade to move up and get Christian Watson. He is fair or not, the heir apparent to Devontae Adams. He is supposed to be the big guy, the um, the number one receiver at some point. And that is always something that he's going to have to deal with as we evaluate his career. And it's not necessarily fair to him, but that's, that is the reality. That's why they picked him. They thought he could be that kind of player. So how did he do moving toward that goal in 2023? Well, when it was good, it was really good. There were three games where he had 70 or more receiving yards. 
there was this strong finish right before the, the injury that basically ended his season over those final two games before he got hurt for the second time, I guess. 12 catches, 165 yards, three touchdowns. But then he gets hurt late against the Chiefs, and that was that. He really didn't play much in the playoffs, primarily due to that injury, and other guys had come along as well. They didn't need him to be a huge part of the offense, but he was he would just wasn't a big part of the team by that point. But then again, when it was bad, it was really bad. Part of that is injury stuff. He was inactive for eight games due to injury. His catch percentage overall dropped way down, going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. He also had a four-game span from weeks four to seven where he had just 11 catches on 24 targets. Uh, He went three for seven against the Raiders, three of eight against the Vikings, and then a couple weeks outside that four-week span, another two of seven effort against the Steelers. So those season expectations, those career expectations, did he meet either one of those in 2023? I think the answer has to be no. Part of it, sure, is injury. Injury stuff is not entirely in your control. Varying degrees of in your control, depending on the kind of injury you have. I don't know the exact specifics of, of Christian Watson Watson's injury, and I would never speculate on, on whether something is or is not in his control. But it is a fact that he has dealt with injuries and has dealt with them a lot. And the, his ability to live up to expectations, fair expectations, unfair expectations, whatever, is going to be affected by his ability to stay healthy. And so far, he has not shown the ability to stay healthy in his relatively young NFL career. And that actually bleeds over into how we perceive other players as well here. So looking ahead to 2024, I think we're entering put-up-or-shut-up territory on Christian Watson because he is going to have a role on this team. But how big that role is, I think, is a question mark. On the one hand, you can't not play him. He reminds me in some respects of like a streaky three-point shooter on a basketball team. Every so often they'll catch fire and put up 40 points just because they drained eight threes and got fouled a couple times and made a couple layups because teams overplayed them on the three-pointers and and stuff like that. But then they'll go through long streaks where they just can't hit the broadside of the barn. The problem is they can't stop shooting because if they stop shooting, that affects how they guard the opposing team that is guards everybody else. And then pretty soon everything is falling apart. Watson is like that because he has something no one else on this Packers roster has, and that is elite deep speed. Even if he was somewhat diminished speed-wise in 2023, he's still faster going deep than just about anybody else on the roster. And teams have to respect that. And if he's on the field, you have to watch out for where Christian Watson is because if you hesitate, he'll be gone. And that's a great thing to have on your roster. But if he can't consistently stay healthy, you can hardly build your roster around that. You can't build your offensive attack around the idea that he might be there to change how the defense operates. You've got to just build for other contingencies and other plans and things like that. And if you go too long where a team is planning for you to not be there, pretty soon you're just not going to be there. I'll leave you with this on Christian Watson. Through two seasons, he has 1,033 receiving yards. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, someone with a very similar skill set, finished his second season with 1,033 receiving yards. Exactly the same. To a single yard, exactly the same. Dontavian Wicks, 
Next up, 458 snaps on offense, a single snap on special teams. 39 catches, 581 yards, and four touchdowns this year. One of one passing for 14 yards as well. Do you remember that very elaborate double pass the Packers tried to do where he chucked it all the way across the field to Aaron Jones? Let's just throw that one out for 2024. It just feels like the right thing to do. 17 explosive plays, second on the team uh, behind Jaden Reed. Three of seven on contested catches this year. Pretty, pretty solid year for for Dontavian Wicks statistically. I underestimated what he would do. Prediction-wise, thought he'd make the 53. That never seemed like that big of a uh, big of a deal, but as a day three pick, you, you sometimes you don't know. But I thought he'd play fewer than 250 snaps on offense. He was way over that, and I thought he'd only have 15 catches or fewer in 2023. He ended up with 39. I thought the Packers would bring him on a lot more slowly than they did. I thought he was going to be the guy that were like clamoring for more snaps by you know midseason toward the end of the year because he was going to be the this guy can clearly play guy for 2023. Turned out he was, but the Packers didn't really waste time getting him on the field. And even so, it seemed like he could have been on there earlier and more. It was an exciting, exciting year for Wicks. And it's always kind of weird and fascinating to me how guys like him are just good at football because he's not, he's fast, but he's not especially fast. He's not, he doesn't have noteworthy speed, put it that way. He's big, but he's not particularly big. He's not Calvin Johnson big. He's not big in a way that makes him jump out on the TV, but he's always open and he does good and interesting things after the catch. So a great and successful rookie season for him, I have to say. The 2024 outlook for him, I think, comes down to two questions. First, can he add stuff to his game? Or secondly, are we just going to have more of 2023 Dante or Dante Wick? So I realize maybe that's more just one question with two possible answers. Of note, I think about 31% of his snaps came in the slot in 2023, counting postseason. Does he go up or down from there? Uh, do you get more Jaden Reed in the slot and more Wicks outside or more Wicks in the slot and Reed outside? How do they pair him up with a, a guy like Romeo Dobbs? I don't know. Fascinating questions, though, and uh, it's exciting to be talking about a day three guy who has these kind of opportunities heading into his second season. Jaden Reed, our second-to-last wide receiver today, 578 snaps on offense, 42 on special teams primarily as a punt and kickoff returner, 64 catches, 793 yards, 8 touchdowns, 11 carries, 119 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Finishes the year just 3 of 12 on contested catches, not something you'd necessarily expect, but it was a selling point on Reed coming out of Michigan State. Finishes the year with 23 explosive plays to lead the Packers this past season. Of note, it's just one fewer than Aaron Jones had in 2022 and three fewer than Aaron Jones' career high of 2020 or 26 back in 2019. Prediction-wise, I thought he'd, he blew all my numbers out of the water. I thought he'd have 35 catches, 450 or more snaps, uh, blew both of those out of the water. Also got it right on the, on the button in terms of where he'd finish in terms of yards per punt return. Predicted that he'd have 8.5 yards per punt return or more. He averaged exactly eight and a half yards per return. And I picked that number because it was slightly higher than Amari Rogers posted as a rookie. And I thought that would be a good dividing line for where uh, Wicks was in terms of punt return production. There's not much for me to say about Reed. 
an exciting, exciting season. Almost like a reincarnated Randall Cobb, true gadget player. He was awesome. He is awesome. I expect him to do more awesome things in 2024. I can't help but wonder what his game would look like if he was paired with somebody like Devontae Adams, somebody who's drawing just tons and tons of attention. What does a guy like Reed do when he gets the chance to just work one-on-one with players constantly? It's a fun thought experiment. Maybe if somebody else emerges or continues to emerge next to him, we'll get to see more of that. Or just with the Packers throwing out a ton of receiving options, they certainly could do that next year. What what could they do with a guy like Reed who just has the the short area quickness to get open against just about anybody and appears to love to do things with the ball in his hands after the catch? Obviously, he met expectations, and there's a lot on the table for him in 2024. Looking ahead, I would look for him to continue to build various partnerships on offense with uh, with how he works with other guys that the Packers have out there. How does he work with Jordan Love? Is he, does he become the reliable third down weapon for Love? Of note, I think we could look for some improvement for Reed on third down. He caught just 13 of 31 third down targets. His lowest yards per target figure, in fact, was on third downs. Not a lot lower than the other downs, first or second down, but still uh, noteworthy in, in, in that it was lower. So just file that in the back of your head. Maybe he becomes a little bit more of a, a third down weapon. If he can become consistent every time he's out on the field, sky's the limit for a guy like Jaden Reed, uh, especially within the confines of a creative offense like the Packers seem to have with a very talented quarterback at the helm. Now Romeo Dobbs. It's appropriate that we finish with this one because I've, I've got a lot to say about Romeo Dobbs. 845 snaps on offense, just one on special teams. Did not bother looking up where it was. I suspect it was probably on an onside kick recovery at some point. Uh, 59 catches, 674 yards, eight touchdowns on the year. Finishes the year 15 of 28 on contested catches, counting the postseason. 11 explosive plays. Uh, He surpassed my expectations in terms of predictions this year. I thought he would play at least 700 snaps on offense, played 845. Thought he would have at least 40 catches, had 59. Thought he'd average at least 11 yards per catch. That would be an increase, significant increase from where he was in 2022. He did. He jumped up to 11.4 yards per catch. So his yards per catch average um, looking a little bit more respectable in 2023 than what it did in 2022. Overall, I think Dobbs had a pretty good to very good season. And I think most of Dobbs' issues or perceived issues are expectations problems. So we can talk about Dobbs' stats or what he did in the playoffs or things like that, but I think we need to center our discussion on this question from listener Benjamin, who wrote in a couple of days ago, uh, perhaps anticipating that we were about to talk about wide receivers. But uh, Benjamin wrote in and said this, quote, I do not understand the lack of appreciation for Dobbs. He is a gem in terms of reliable pass catchers versus Green Bay's body of work in selecting pass catchers over the last decade. On television, he comes up with the most contested catches in big moments, even in the year prior to this, cited by an admittedly fan-centered viewpoint. The man usually comes down with the ball in wild situations, which is light years beyond what we could have expected for a role guy in more than several of our recent years, end quote. The last line is the most important there, because I I think you could quibble with some of the other stuff, but that is the important thing with Dobbs. He, like Dontavian Wicks this year, is a former day three pick. And I think we have to temper our expectations for what we're thinking about with Dobbs 
along those lines because that is an important part of his narrative. And there's way more that goes into why he has played the way that he has over the past couple of years than just, you know, some of his, his shakier catches or sometimes where it looks like he lacks a little bit of confidence out there on the field. Because I think he has always had some skewed expectations because of the role that he's ended up playing in Green Bay. So rewind to 2022. We've mentioned this a couple times already. It's worth repeating again here because this affects so many different things. The Packers trade Devontae Adams last spring. Well, not last spring, two springs ago now. They draft Christian Watson. He is supposed to be the big replacement for, for Adams. Eventually, not immediately, but eventually. But Watson is out for most or all of training camp after his surgery. So your top three wide receivers at that point end up being Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, and Randall Cobb. But then, here comes Romeo Dobbs, lighting things up in training camp in 2022. The reports on the scene are that he's great, and fans, of course, are going to run with that. He seems exciting. He's new. He's different. The Packers need more wide receiver help. We know that Randall Cobb isn't part of the long-term plan here. We know that Sammy Watkins isn't. We know that Alan Lazard isn't. Dobbs could be this next, you know, star receiver. To heck with Christian Watson. He's not here. Here comes Romeo Dobbs making plays in training camp each and every day. On top of all that, he's got a cool name, and that makes him stand out in people's minds. And then, and then, Alan Lazard gets hurt. And then suddenly Dobbs is right there at the top of the wide receiver depth chart by default. And then what happens in week two of 2022? Sammy Watkins, after his lone good game as a member of the Green Bay Packers, gets hurt as well. Suddenly by week three, Romeo Dobbs is a starter as a day three pick for the Green Bay Packers in the first season after they're trying to replace Devontae Adams. And it doesn't go great. Over the next six weeks, Dobbs has 24 catches for 232 yards and three touchdowns. Those are fine numbers for a fourth-round rookie, but not your top wide receiver or even one of your top wide receivers. And I think that's when the narrative starts to turn on Dobbs a little bit. And then he gets hurt against the Lions, and he's never the same for the rest of his rookie year. That's basically it for Dobbs. Then in 2023, he's one of the veterans. He defaults to being one of your top two receivers, and he puts up a pretty good stat line. 59 catches, 674 yards, eight touchdowns is pretty good for your number two or number three guy, but the Packers don't have that big stat guy, so when you just talk about him being one of your leading receivers, his stats don't maybe don't look necessarily as good, but I think we do see him settling into a role a little bit more, and this is where I want to land with the discussion on Dobbs. Him settling into a role where he doesn't have to be one of your default top receivers is the best place for him to be. You need sidekicks on a roster. Not everybody can be Batman. Somebody's got to be Robin. Somebody's got to be the guy that steps in with the timely catch. Not doing the bulk of the work, but the third down pickup or finding the savvy spot in the zone or Shoot, wrestling a contested catch away from somebody in the end zone that turns into a a simultaneous catch and a touchdown. He needs to be kind of a sidekick, a part of a group, rather than being the guy, which is a good place for him to be. Again, if Romeo Dobbs is a fourth-round 
pick who's gotten to play over the past two years like a second year or fourth round pick, I don't think anybody has any real concerns about Romeo Dobbs, but maybe, and maybe I'm straw manning a little bit here, but it feels like there are people out there who are, are harder on Dobbs than they need to be. To put a pin in it, there are two wide receivers drafted in the fourth round or later over the past two seasons who have at least a thousand career receiving yards. One is Puka Nakua, who I think was a revelation for most of the league, 1,486 yards as a rookie, pretty darn good. But then you've got Romeo Dobbs, the only other receiver to have more than 800 career receiving yards among guys drafted in the the fourth round or later over the past two years. We're talking about 27 players, 27 wide receivers, that is. Look, it, it, it hasn't always been pretty for Dobbs. The yards per catch numbers haven't always looked good. But I think he's in a good place. And I think he met expectations in 2023. I, I think you always have to be asking, and I wrote about this at thepowersweep.com a little bit this week, what you want from individual players. Going with a, a big like A to F grading scale just doesn't do it for me because you need to get more granular than that. You need to talk about individuals and what you expect from individual guys and stuff like that. You need to be thinking about what you expect someone like Romeo Dobbs to be. If you're hoping for him to be a guy who's pushing for number one wide receiver reps, you'd have to tell me why. Why would you be hoping for that? Why would you think that's something that Dobbs is going to be doing either in 2022 or 2023? I think being that sidekick sort of player who's having a timely reception now and then, who will eat up the low-end corners and linebackers and, and maybe find soft spots and zones, that's a great place for Dobbs to be. And I think that's where he lived down the stretch in 2023. And that's that's a really good place for, for him, I think, even heading into 2024. Because the outlook heading into next season is pretty darn good. They've got a lot of solid receiving options around him. Arguably for the first time, he's coming into a season where he's just going to get to be Romeo Dobbs. He doesn't have to be a quasi-Devante Adams replacement. He doesn't have to be a big volume guy. He can just play to his strengths in a way that he hasn't been able to so far in his young career. And I think that's a pretty good place uh, for Romeo Dobbs to grow heading into next season. So I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I'd appreciate it even more if you take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. It's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.